What is up, everybody? Welcome to the 444 Formula 44 Formula One podcast, <laughs> the Imola GP preview. Uh, hopefully, we will get off to a better show than that intro. As always, uh, we'll be going over a general preview of qualifying in this week of the sprint race uh, and then we'll cover the dfs and betting portion of the show as always i'm your host tj hernandez the director of dfs at 444.com with my co-host dan weiner the senior producer producer at betsports dan what is up buddy not a whole lot man fun sprint race this morning after mm-hmm. kind of a mess of qualifying and now we get ready to go racing tomorrow at a much better time than australia was at least <laughs> for me less advantageous for you but hey Back to back to the sport being more favorable to the East Coasters than the West Coasters. Yeah, I'm, I'm already looking forward to that uh, Miami GP with that <laughs> favorable time. I got a nice 6 a.m. race time tomorrow. Uh, before we get into everything, just a reminder to everybody that 444 has teamed up with Run the Sims projections, tools, and content for both F1 and USFL DFS and betting. Go to runthesims.com and use promo code 444 for 10% off usfl and f1 offerings see the link in the description or go to runthesims.com and just got noticed that as we went live everything on run the sims is updated so uh we don't have all of the notes on ownership and and simulations uh here but we will try to reference them as good as possible um as we go through everything uh let's jump into it we had a very interesting weekend for those that are new to formula one and even for those seasoned veterans to formula one we had a qualifying on uh friday we had the sprint race this morning very uh unique because even though max locked up the pole position in qualifying sprint still set the grid so there was a there was a chance that uh our our pole sitter wasn't starting first so kind of weird setup but all we really need to know for our betting and DFS purposes, the sprint uh, finishing determined the grid, and that's what we really care about. Uh, talk a little bit about the sprint and the qualifying uh, notes that you noticed, Dan. Yeah, so I'll bring up here's this little handy dandy grid that I made for people while I'm, I'm talking. Uh, qualifying was a bit of a mess. There were so many red flags because of the track conditions for the rain, and so it was a little bit difficult to kind of figure out and to make any kind of sweeping conclusions. I think if you look at that, you see the big things that probably stand out. Kevin Magnuson, who was name I realized nobody told me I misspelled. Kevin Magnuson finished fourth. Uh, and then you see there, you see the Mercedes cars, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton in 11th and 13th. Um, but yeah, I mean, the sprint race this morning, nobody knew what to expect. Last year, the sprint races tended to be pretty uneventful. So there was some fear that that was going to be the case, but it was anything but that today max verstappen as you mentioned he won the poll in qualifying he got off to a bad start his his car seemed to not really respond off the start and leclerc passed him uh joe guan yu uh, got into ghastly and spun out into the wall but that didn't really affect much of anything uh we mentioned magnuson finishing fourth for some reason haas decided to start both drivers on the medium compound tires while everyone else was on the soft which the idea was they said later in the race like on his radio that they were going to expect tire degradation from everyone who was on the soft and that's when they would uh, make their move but as you can see that didn't really work he ended up finishing eighth and then the red bull cars and the ferrari cars and were able to pass him as well as both of the mclaren cars uh, charles leclerc ended up dealing with some tire degradation towards the end of the race which allowed verstappen to catch him and pass him so thankfully we were able to uh, we were able to avoid the weird circumstance of someone being on the pole but not being in the first position in the race on Sunday. McLaren, interestingly enough, had a really rough morning. It looked like they were completely rebuilding Daniel Ricardo's car. He didn't even get out for practice this morning. Lando Norris came back in after three laps with a brake issue, uh, but they were fine. Fifth and sixth, uh, it's where McLaren should expect to be. They're not f- nearly fast enough to compete with the top four drivers when those cars are on the track. But, you know, I think they'll be okay with fifth and sixth the most in most races. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that was really it. The Mercedes cars got stuck in uh, a DRS train hell where they just were not able to make moves. Uh, Lewis Hamilton ended up falling a spot. I don't know, like, if you've listened to Lewis Hamilton at the end of any time he's gotten out of the car this year, he just sounds like a man who's defeated. Greatest driver maybe in the history of the sport, lost a record-breaking championship possibly last year by the thinnest of margins, and then the car this year 
has just been a mess. Uh, you see on this graphic here, uh, Joe Guan Yu, he will be starting from the pit because he had a violation. Uh, he was His crew was out fixing the car later than they were allowed to by the regulations. So instead of starting 20th, he starts from the pit lane, which you can make the argument might actually help in case there's some kind of first lap chaos. But uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez, Sainz, Norris, Ricardo. So you have the top three teams, I think, in terms of just pure pace, uh, closing out the top six spots. On the grid in the sprint, there was a lot of passing going on. Uh, we saw a, a battle for the lead. I think the sprint was everything that you could hope for. Here's a kind of a pretty look at what the grid is going to look like for tomorrow when we get out on the track. Even though, um, sorry about that, even though we saw, um, you know, Lando drop a little bit in um, in terms of where he was starting, he, he had a top three start in the sprint. We still see those, those top three teams lock out the th uh, first three rows. And then as far as Mercedes goes, we saw in Australia – um, we, we thought maybe it was the start of, of Mercedes kind of getting back on the right track. Um, they're still second in constructors, which is seems like a huge aberration at this point. The kind of what we had been talking about through the first three races is it feels like Mercedes is going to start figuring things out. Um, obviously, a lot of luck has come in, in them gaining the points that they have so far this season. But... At this point, it seems like, if anything, they're the team that has really been uh, performing over their head. It just doesn't seem like they have what we expect them to have at this point. Um, and then from, uh, we'll get to it, but from a DFS standpoint, after that race in Australia, they're just priced in such a way that's going to make them um, really tough to, to even consider in, in any format. As far as the race goes relative to qualifying and, uh, and the sprint, this is probably the most, um, I don't want to say unreliable, but the starting grid results that we have to be the most skeptical of just because there's been so many factors, right? The, obviously, we had the rain in qualifying. Uh, the way the, the sprint just isn't super indicative of what we can expect in a race. Like the fact that Max was able to, to pass Charles on that, those last couple of laps, like if it's a, if it's the GP and, and Ferrari starts having some graining on their tires. Do they make some kind of pit adjustment to where Max doesn't catch them? So, like, I, I don't think we should simply just look at it and be like, oh, Max is, is going to have the pace to, to catch um, Leclerc, even if he, he has a better start, if Charles has a better start. Um, so lots of uncertainty still, I, I think, in this. And, and we still don't know if, if Red Bull has their reliability issues solved. Um, you know, getting through 21 laps is one thing. We've only seen them get through 50-plus laps uh, once this year, um, both cars. So uh, definitely some stuff to pay attention to there. Yeah, for sure. I think that's an interesting point about Red Bull that you don't really think about. Um, and, and another thing, you see Sergio Perez in third. I mean, his car has been exceptionally fast all weekend. And then you're talking about a guy who's had just rotten luck all year. You know, he's running well the first race, and then his car died on him. He had just the, the pit lane folly and then just kind of falling off the pace when he was on pole in the second race of the year. Uh, qualifying, he was going super fast, and then there were there was a red flag stoppage that killed his best lap. And if you look at his times from today, he was as fast as the top two cars. He just had to get through a bunch of traffic because because of where he started after qualifying. So he, he, you know, Sergio Perez has been very fast. Like my initial reaction is like when we get in and we'll get into building lineups is lean on Red Bull a little bit over Ferrari when you're building your lineups this week, particularly because we haven't even really gotten into the looming threat of like it's Europe in the spring. It's a 50 50. If it's going to rain like rains in the forecast, you'll see as much as low as like 40% chance of rain during the race to up as words of like 70%. Like if you've lived in say Florida or really anywhere where it's, it's the spring, like it's the spring here. It happens here too, where if you have a 50% chance of rain, you never know what to expect. And that's obviously a factor. It's hard to quantify that when you don't know for sure. If they say, Oh, it's 80%, you know, it's above 80% to rain. Then I think you have to make that factor and you have to build some lineups as a contingency uh, this week because of a potential rain threat. Maybe not, as dead set as you would if the forecast was for more, but that's another variable that you kind of have to think about. 
Yeah, uh, and, and on that note, let's jump into those ideas and how we're going to be applying that to DFS this week. Uh, before we, we jump into our team-by-team values, as I mentioned, as we started this podcast, Run the Sims did go live with their new projections and their new optimal rates. And, and one of the most um, important things that I think you could take from Run the Sims is there's a very easy-to-grasp uh, grid that basically shows our optimal rates, how much we want of each driver in terms of flex in terms of captain and max verstappen is lapping the field there right now we have him at uh, just under 70 percent um, ownership that's how much we want of him in our lineups with about 35 percent of that in our captain spot uh, that's probably still going to be uh that's going to be a little bit overweight on the field we have his projected ownership in the flex at um about 34 percent with his projected captain at uh, about 33%. So that puts us slightly overweight on him with uh, 65% uh, total ownership. So we'll get a little bit overweight leverage. Uh, how we actually apply that to our lineups, we, we will talk through. But go to Run the Sims, check out those um, optimal rates. And, and if you click on the projections above the optimal rates, once you land on that page, you can get a full breakdown of projections of the optimal flex and captain positions of the optimal captain and how much we think the field is going to be doing those things. And as always, that is the basis for our analysis every single week. Uh, like we did last week, I, I did this with Sam and Justin. I think it's a, it's a really fun way to go through the values because one thing we've talked about on this podcast and one thing that we've noticed in F1 DFS strategy is the importance of that plus five being able to beat your teammate is just it's it's been more valuable through three races than having um, four or five drivers in the top 10 you could get away with three or four drivers in the top 10 get those plus five from cheap guys and, and even take down a tournament so let's just go in alphabetical order here we will omit Red Bull and Ferrari because they always uh, elicit their own um, discussion Alpine uh, they're an interesting one because they're a team that uh, over the races two and three look like they could be kind of where McLaren's at right now, but falling off a little bit um, this weekend had some car. Alonzo had some car troubles in Australia um, and we see them have uh, kind of an underwhelming uh, day or weekend in terms of qualifying in the sprint. Alonzo at 5,800 finishing ninth. Ocon at 6,400, finishing 16th in the sprint. So Alonzo is $600 cheaper than Ocon. You're getting him in the top 10. In all likelihood, that's going to make him more popular. But that 5,800 is still kind of a, a tricky range. So any thoughts on, on Alpine here going into the Sunday? So the they built a new floor for this race, but they only mm -hmm. built one of them, and they gave it to Fernando Alonso. So he has what should be a more adept car for this week, but he struggled today on mm -hmm. the track. He, for some reason, couldn't get the car started when they went out for the formation lap. He seemed to be fighting it. Yeah, I mean, I think at $600 cheaper and just way ahead of Ocon in the standing, or at least in the, on the grid, I mean, like he is the option if you're going to play one of these drivers, but the possibility that his car just doesn't, run well tomorrow and he falls like starting ninth is fantastic because that means you can finish higher but also if you're having some reliability issues with your car starting ninth can be a curse because you could also lose several spots and lose points that way i don't really particularly like either one of those guys at these prices i would i'm likely not going to play either guy a ton if at all yeah, I think uh, there, there's no re one thing that I really like to do uh, in these teammate matchups is look for drivers that are going to be relatively close, both in salary and um, likelihood of, of, of beating their teammate. Uh, and just taking the least popular one. This isn't going to be the case here. Like owner, uh, ownership's going to be heavily on Alonzo over Ocon. Right now we have him at about 37% ownership, um, which is pretty high, 31% ownership, um, but significantly higher than um than Ocon, who will probably get almost no ownership, but there's just not a lot of leverage to be had there. So in some probably in some funky salary builds where where i'm just like getting weird with salary and and trying to leave some on the table i might have some alonzo because we've just seen that that 5500 to seven thousand dollar price range is kind of awkward to fit into your lineups so from that perspective i'll have some alonzo but i'll be underweight on him and there's just almost no um ownership value on ocon even though he'll be in almost no lineups obviously alonzo can um you know 
can crash, can have weather issues. But at with Ocon being 6,400, you're not getting the value of someone like a um, like a Latifi or either the the Austin Martin drivers that plus five at, at a low salary. Like just a plus five at 6,400 isn't really what we're we're shooting for um, in these lineups. Uh, Austin Martin, these are always my favorite discussions because it's why it makes F1 DFS extremely interesting. These these back of the pack teams that seem irrelevant to the average fan they are some of the most important uh discussions for us to have in dfs because these are often the deciding factors what cheap guys you get right and we have a really good battle with austin martin sebastian vettel dropped down uh in the sprint race at 3400 he's starting 13th on the grid stroll for 200 less starting 15th on the grid even with Vettel dropping he's still tied for the best salary versus um, grid value he is 18th in salary and 13th on the grid so there is still some value there uh, if I look at uh, ownership projections it looks like we should have uh, significantly more ownership on Vettel yeah we have him at about 42 uh, percent versus strolls 19 percent so what are your thoughts on Austin Martin play both of them yep. not in the same lineup not yep. in the same lineup, mm -hmm. but play both of them. Here's the thing. Like, they're both cheap. There's not a huge enough, there's not a big enough difference in Vettel versus Stroll that you would def definitively play Stroll ahead of Vettel. But both guys have potential to move up a couple of spots. Both guys are relatively cheap. Both guys could beat each other, like could beat the other one. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's pretty simple. And another thing that's like you have to consider this week, Sebastian Vettel's reputation is, is that of one of the best rain drivers in the history of the sport. And Lance Stroll's only career pole came in a race where it was raining. So they're both guys who have history of of, of running well when it's raining. So, yeah, I you, you can't lean one. I think a lot of people will say, oh, well, Sebastian Vettel's a better driver than Lance Stroll. He's ahead of him. And the price difference isn't that much, which means, of course, that makes Lance Stroll a contrarian play. Who's the cheaper option? You play both of them. You pepper the lineups with both of these guys in them. They're cheap options, and the chance that one of them is good, that you're going to get the plus five, you're going to get at least six points for beating your teammate and cl classifying as a driver seem reasonable that, like, they're both playable. Yeah, and we've seen, um, you know, Austin Martin in Australia, they had some major car issues. So when you add the rain to it, being able to project one to finish ahead of the other, um, it, it's it's a really tough thing to uh, to be able to project um, properly. And if ownership does play out the way we have it projected on run the Sims, where Vettel is in more than, you know, twice as many lineups or more than twice as many lineups as Stroll, I think it makes it pretty easy to flip that. I, I think the, the easy way to think about this and you should, this, you shouldn't have any blanket rules, but with these lower tier teams is, kind of go to run the sims look at the ownership projections and, and and flip them with these cheap guys that are this close when they're close on the grid and close in salary if vettel's going to be 40 percent and stroll's going to be 20 percent i'm going to have stroll in 40 percent of my lineups and vettel in, in um and uh sorry stroll 40 percent of my lineups and vettel in 20 percent of my lineups um there, there's a case for being even more aggressive I, I think if you're playing a single entry tournament or a three max tournament where you don't want to get away from Max or Leclerc or Ferrari or Red Bull. It, it makes it um, a no-brainer if you're if you're playing one lineup. I think you have to go Stroll over Vettel in those chalky, expensive lineups. Uh, let's oh, uh, let's move on to um, Alfa Romeo. This one is um, it, I don't know if there's any value here. We got Botas as uh, the clear leader in the team. Uh, starting seventh on the grid but he's up at 6800 we got joe down at 4000 but he's starting at 20th in the pit lane so he basically needs um he needs like a red flag on on the first lap to to be able to um get into the mix otherwise he's not only starting from the back but he's going to be starting from the back with a huge gap that's basically what you're hoping for if you're playing him at 6800 so any interest there Maybe a little bit, but my concern with Botas is always like to me in my head, the sprint format's a good format for him because he's a guy who when the objective is just go out and go as fast as you possibly can go. That has always been Valtteri Botas's like thing. The the 103 consecutive Q3s in his career that was actually snapped in Australia. I mean, this is a guy that when he's told to go fast can go fast, but over the course of a race, like what you just tell me what feels more likely if you're building a line of Valtteri Botas climbs four spots or falls five spots. Yeah, like it's a, there's yeah. a five spot drop penalty, right? So like 
okay, what's more likely? He's going to yeah, jump to point. second uh, or he's yeah, going to vault to 12th? Like that, that's kind of where I am. Like, again, if you're, if you're getting funky with lineups, if you're playing as many lineups as TJ yeah, plays, have a like, yeah, I think you'll, you'll, you'll have to, but I, I, and I love Botas. Like I'm, I'm on the, I'm, I'm part of the college football Twitter sphere that loves him. But like, if I, if I, if I want to play him at that price, it just seems super risky to me. So yeah, he's not someone I'm looking that, to back at. Uh, I, I think has definitely been overlooked. I've definitely overlooked it in, in my lineup building. We always want to talk about upside and, and things falling the right way. But when things fall the wrong way, it could be detrimental to your lineups. Those negative points, uh, you just can't have them. Like you're, you're not scoring that many points with your ancillary guys. So if you're if you get that negative and basically wipe out one of your your plus fives i don't think it's it's not minus five for a five um five grid drop but if you're losing three points you're basically wiping out one of your plus fives from your cheap guys um there there is a ton of risk there and botas we have him projected as as the third most popular driver that isn't named max or charles so he is going to be up there in ownership because of that huge gap with joe uh, but 6800 is is a um it's a tough pill to swallow. It's a lot. If you're playing a single lineup, I just don't see any way that you're uh, taking the risk on that one unless it's it's some huge, massive tournament, but we don't have those yet. If we get some single entry tournaments where there's 20,000 people and then we can start talking about them. As the games that are offered uh, stand now, those single entry games or, or three max games, just, there aren't that many um, other entrants in them, so there's there's no point in playing them. Alphatari, uh might maybe ends up being um the most obvious value of the week but we don't have him projected very high ownership so this might be the guy that i use the most um in terms of sub 5k guys yuki sonoda 4800 starting 12th five spots ahead of his teammate pierre gasly who's all the way up at 7200 so you're getting a huge discount on sonoda versus his teammate gasly with the worst salary uh, second worst salary versus uh greater ranking um eight spots lower on the grid versus his salary which is the ninth highest so any anything to note about Afatari here. Um, Snow is a pretty obvious value if you're chasing that plus five. Is there any way Gasly moves up um, ahead of him and and pays off that 7,200 price tag? Pay off the 7,200 price tag? No, move ahead of, him, ahead of him? Absolutely. He's a better, more experienced driver. And remember, these are Red Bull-powered cars, so there's always the possibility that they're just going to die. Uh, but I'm with you. I think Sunoda is a really, really good value. A guy who you're probably you probably should be playing in a good number of lineups as a sub five thousand guy. Uh, I think he can even potentially climb into the points in this race. I mean, he's starting twelfth. I mean, it wouldn't be crazy. But yeah, I, I, I'm a Pierre Gasly fan. But like Botas, I just at seventy two hundred starting seventeenth. Uh, arguably, I think he's the second yeah. worst value yeah. on the board which we'll get to the no, the worst value on the board, which is going to be pretty obvious when we get to them. Yeah, we'll get to, to that one. But we got two uh, very interesting mid-teams coming up, and I think these are going to be the two teams. If Even if we, we don't have chaos, this how people navigate this and squeeze these into the lineups could be the determining factor in who wins tournaments this week. We'll start with Haas. Um, Magnuson at 5,400, starting eighth on the grid. He dropped down from fourth um, in qualifying. Schumacher gets a nice top 10 start at 4,400. Even though Magnuson is more expensive than Schumacher, I would suspect that people are going to... Um, uh drift towards him more in lineups we do have name value he's still sub 5500 so pretty affordable and these are both tied with uh sebastian vettel is the best salary versus um grid uh values both five spots higher in the grid than their salary rank so how are you uh how are you managing haas here 4400 is kind of tempting for a teammate that's only starting two spots back of, of magnuson with you know, starting in the top 10, maybe even if, if he could keep pace, getting some some top 10 points on top of a plus five. Yeah, I think it's the same. It's just the same principle as Aston Martin. I think they're both priced in a spot where they're worth a play. And, you know, the the salary difference being what it is, like a thousand bucks might actually be able to help you. I, I'm willing to guess right now I'm, I'm playing around with this. I have my DraftKings app open. You can play Verstappen, Captain, Leclerc, Magnuson, Vettel, Albon, and Red Bull. And for it leaves you with nothing, but you can play that lineup. I'm imagining that's probably going to be the most popular lineup 
this week. So if you're so confident and like I've told you, I'm very rarely ever going to play Nicholas Latifi. Um, so I'm, I'm almost always going to choose Albon and you can, you know, I mean, Vettel's more expensive than Stroll. So you can pop Stroll in there. Like you might as well, if you're going to play Verstappen, Leclerc, Red Bull and Albon, you might as well build Magnussen, Vettel, uh, Schumacher, Stroll, common, every single possible combination in there. If you're going to play that, because there's no reason not to. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. So we we will like talk about this more in a little bit. But that combo of Max and Charles and Red Bull or Ferrari constructor with whatever makes that fit the three cheapest guys, um, that's probably going to be one of the lineups that's duplicated 75 to 100 times. We had four lineups uh, in in the Australia GP in the big in the big GPP that was duplicated over 100 times. Those are the lineups that they're going to be. So if you are playing those lineups, just know that you're not uh, you're, you're not going to have fifty thousand dollar upside with those lineups. If you're playing those lineups, you're going to be chopping first if they win. Uh, I, I th- if you're playing 100 plus lineups, you have to have those lineups in your portfolio. It is what it is. But if you're playing a couple lineups. Maybe don't play those lineups because you're really just playing for a chop. Uh, but I agree with you. I think I'm probably just I, – I, I hate being um, moderate on these decisions, but with these guys so close, with their salaries not being super cheap or super expensive, I, I think you could safely just kind of um, have even exposure to the Haas drivers. And I, I'm probably going to have somewhat similar thoughts on this next team, uh, may, maybe slight, weighted towards uh, – you know their their top driver a little bit more, but McLaren they're they're starting five six on the grid. Lando at eight thousand dollars, Ricardo four hundred dollars less at uh, seventy six hundred dollars. It makes it really really tough to um, you're you're not going to have Leclerc uh, Verstappen lineups with one of these guys. These guys are going to be in your lineups where you either don't have one of them or just a, a complete chaos lineup. But we want some of those, and and this is probably the team where we have some fucky lineups that you're going to use the most. So what are your thoughts on McLaren for DFS? Yeah, I mean, I think you just covered it. Like, I'm not eager to play either guy at their price because I just think there's such limited upside here. You're going to need the chaos, and I'm sure we'll get into the chaos scenario. Like, I think McLaren's the chaos constructor this week. But, like, so, yeah, I mean, if you're you're zigging where everyone else is zagging, you're going to do lineups that maybe have one of those guys even as your captain. Like, if it's kind of chaotic and if there's like a rain or something silly, like could Lando Norris end up second? Sure. Maybe, but at, at 8,600 or at 8,000 and 7,600, they're, they're both a little pricey compared to other guys that I want to play. I just, to me, I feel like they're not gonna, they don't have the upside that Carlos signs and Serge and Checo Perez have. Uh, and there's another guy who I think we'll get to in a second, who I think has way more value than those two guys, even though he's more expensive. Like they're just not guys who I'm eager to play because they're just kind of where they are. And if you're playing and you're if you play one of them, you're almost certainly going to need them to beat their teammate. And they're starting one spot apart. Like Norris's car is still better, but they're a spot apart from each other. Like that doesn't necessarily mean that just because he's got the better car, he's going to have the better opportunity. So I'm not eager to play either one of those teams although i do think that mclaren might be the chaos is is the chaos constructor this week yeah i will definitely get into the um captain constructor dynamics in a little bit i'm just really unlikely to play either of these guys as a driver and it might seem counterintuitive but in australia i had nor if i had norris it was way more often as a captain than just as a driver and that's just be a function of how the salaries fit in if you're if you're using uh max or charles in your captain it, it just makes it really tough to fit these guys in driver now you'll have some where you just don't have both uh uh verstappen and leclerc so you know these guys are going to fit in but i i think if you are going for complete chaos they're going to make more sense as as captain plays and again we'll get into to constructors uh, the most uh disappointing team <clears throat> at least in terms of expectation again even though they are second in constructor points on the season uh george russell 8600 starting 11th on the grid lewis hamilton 9600 starting 14th on the grid by far the worst salary versus grid value the fourth highest salary starting all the way back at 14th i mean i will we'll talk about russell a little bit but can we just say hamilton's off our board completely least amount of value of anybody of the 20 drivers on the grid yeah not playable yeah i don't see um 
how you end up using him. I, I think he'll get some, I, I think he'll probably still get some like name value ownership just because people like Lewis Hamilton and they're going to say, Oh, you know, you never know what could happen in this race. So he might end up in, I don't know, six or 7% of lineups. I probably haven't been zero, but what do you like about George Russell? Okay. Just it, it's a math thing for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, or we'll do it this way. Okay. Schumacher is 10th. Who's got a better car? Magnus. Oh, Schumacher or are you are you talking about Russell? Russell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Russell. Russell. Who is ninth? Alonzo or Russell? Over the course of the season, based on what we've seen so far on the track, no, he's been better than Alonzo, who's in ninth. He's been better than Magnus, and who's been eighth. He's been better than Botas, who's seventh. So for him to get the plus three for a five-point grid improvement, the only car that's maybe better than his that he would have to catch is Daniel Ricciardo. So if you start doing the math and you say, okay, well, if he goes, uh, if he beats uh, Hamilton, that's five. If he classifies, that's uh, that's one. If he finishes in sixth, that's eight points. And then if he goes up five spots, that's three. That gets him to seventeen points. For for you know, for under normal circumstances, I know we're going to get to Red Bull and 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 uh, who am I, why am I blanking Ferrari in a second? But like Checo and Signs, third place. And being classified is probably their like most likely best scenario without chaos. That's 16 points. So like, even though George Russell is starting 11th and it may be a tall task for his car to move up, like it's not out of the question that car had like as bad as Mercedes has been this year, his car in particular has performed pretty well relative to the field other than Red Bull and Ferrari all season long. So George Russell climbing a bunch of spots and getting a lot of points is makes him at least in my mind worth considering in alternate lineups compared to Checo Perez and Carlos Sainz. Do I think that those guys just have a much more likely path to more points than George Russell? A hundred percent. Of course they do from where they're starting. But if you're looking for ways to zig when other people are zagging, let's not forget two of the three weeks this season, George Russell has been in the best lineup at the end of the race. So you can say, oh, well, George Russell, he's got a high salary and he's starting 11th. It doesn't necessarily mean he's not worth playing. And in your kind of, you know, contrarian lineup construction, I really, again, like George Russell, when you're making contrarian lineups again, if you're looking to play one or two or three, like even five lineups, maybe he's in your fifth lineup. But I don't think it's out of the question that he's playable this week. And it's why it. If we go back to the McLaren discussion, I mentioned that if if we are going to play them, they make more sense as a captain than as a driver in your lineups because they do have an outside chance at that P1 spot if if there is some crazy stuff going on up front but as a driver you like you said you you could argue that Russell has more upside in the driver slot because he is going to have the opportunity to climb that grid move up get those that plus 5 um uh not plus five points but plus five grid positions and three extra points so if we have a situation where you have a a a max lineup that doesn't include Leclerc you're going to have salary to use somewhere and if if Russell gets a, a a P4 and the Red Bull and Ferrari second drivers don't do what they're supposed to um I, I think your lineup's looking really good so I actually like that um a, a ton I, and now that you kind of lay that out it kind of like in, in my driver spots it kind of makes me like Russell more than than Norris or Ricardo in my driver again not my captain spots, but in my driver spot. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that because that'll give me something to chew on when I'm building lineups. Uh, final team that isn't Red Bull or Ferrari. Williams uh, steadily bringing up the rear. Albon starting 18th at 3,600. Latifi starting 19th at 3,000. We've seen multiple times this year, uh, regardless of salary, Albon ends up being much more popular than Latifi. So even though you're getting a $600 discount on Latifi with Albon starting um, one spot ahead, it's likely he is going to be used in much uh, many more lineups that are, are trying to save salary than Latifi. So uh, how are you feeling about these Williams drivers? I mean, we talk about it every week. We, we covered it in the last. I'm just not. I'm not one who wants to play Nicholas Latifi ever. You probably, have, if you're building again the same number of lineups that, like, I, I, I'm a novice. TJ's an expert. If you're playing the same number of levels, uh, uh, lineups that TJ's playing, you probably need to sprinkle in some Latifi, just kind of contrarian. But 
he's just not someone that I'm ever eager to back. I will have Albon in a lot of in a lot of lineups again. And he's a guy who's been fast when he's been on the track. He's just had some issues with his car this weekend. But if he stays on the track, he's another guy that could conceivably move up a few spots here or there, and he can maybe get that five spot jump and get you even more points. So I'm playing Albon a bunch. If you're building a ton of lineups, you probably need to sprinkle in some Latifi, but I'm just never eager to play him. Yes. We, I I think these um, Austin Martin and these, these Williams teams is where it's, it's probably good to be a, a new fan or, or a new um, viewer of F1 where you don't have like super ingrained hatred towards certain drivers. It obviously Latifi does a really good job of, of getting even new people to have that for him. But uh, I, we actually have Latifi projected for higher ownership on run the Sims right now than Albon. I, We've had that before and been surprised by it. Uh, so I, I think probably, even though the $600 discrepancy comes into play, I think that's one spot where w- we might be a little off on the ownership. Um, obviously, the, the computer is usually right more often than the human, but I, I think these are pretty good if you're playing 150 lineups. These are coin flip situations with these bad teams. I, I think it's very... Uh, it's going to be pretty bad practice in 150 lineups to fade Latifi and have 0%. Again, if you're playing one or three lineups, by all means, Albon is, is going to return more more often. But uh, in the course of one race, when you have uh, if you have 150 darts, I think I'm probably splitting the difference on these guys and just going 50-50 in my lineups. That's fair. I'm not. I'm not 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 going to back Latifi. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let, we we've talked a ton about ownership projections, but we will um, just kind of recap what we talked about. So, if we looked at the these um, driver or ownership uh, projections, the the big ones we talked about are Williams, um, Austin Martin, um, and and I think probably Haas because I think K Mag will be a little bit more popular. So, out of those teams who where we have really close teammates um, and and usually pretty similar salaries like are you is there any one that stands out i know you just kind of talked about albon but on the williams austin martin or the haas teams that you really want to be um heavy on versus their teammates like you said just just albon like i i feel like the aston martin and haas drivers all have potential this week to do to beat their teammate and have a good race so you know i'm not i'm not super eager to to back one guy more than the other on haas or on aston martin yeah, for me, I think the big one is um, Lance Stroll. I think he's just going to be in um, so many fewer lineups than Sebastian Vettel. It's just going to present on the, all those teammates. It's going to present the biggest leverage opportunity. It's not our favorite driver, but out of all of those guys right now, our ownership projections have um, have Stroll just way below Vettel. So there's an opportunity there. They're starting so close. They're so close in salary. He'll, he probably ends up being the driver that I am overweight on in those, um, those small ones. And then surprisingly, we have Yuki pretty low in our ownership projection. So he's another one that I'll, I'll end up being overweight on. I expected it to, I expected to see him, um, a bit higher. Let's move into some of this captain discussion and, and we'll just start with, uh, the two big dogs, uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. Um, Easy question, over or under on both of those guys? Uh, a little over on Verstappen, but I think that you have to consider that, that that's probably the way most people are going to think. Mm-hmm. So uh, Leclerc is probably a little bit contrarian, oddly enough, even though he's you know the <laughs> leader of the drivers' championship right now. But I mean, again, Verstappen just had such a good race today. The threat of rain. I I think you got to be a little bit overweight on Verstappen, but. Uh, maybe not as much as you think, because I think a lot of people will will do that, particularly when you consider just the cost versus Leclerc. Uh, don't let that shy you away from finding ways to get enough Leclerc. Yeah, right now we have the uh, optimal captain on Run the Sims, 33% on Verstappen, 12% on Leclerc, um, with a total of 68% exposure to Verstappen and 53% on Leclerc. We have the field pretty much on par with um, overall ownership. We're actually a little bit 
underweight on projected captain ownership compared to the field. We have them projected about 39% and 23%. So we're about 5% lower on captain Verstappen and about 11% lower on Leclerc captain. So I actually think that makes sense in how I'm going to build. And, and again, I think it makes sense for you to be overweight on him because on, on Verstappen because you're playing fewer lineups. Well, I'm going to be playing 150 lineups. I'm going to be underweight, not because I don't like these guys, but because in this this race where there could be rain, where we don't really know how um, the how promising the grid results are compared to a normal week, and with Red Bull's reliability issues, it just makes more sense for me to it, to be a week where I have more. Um, unpopular captains and unpopular constructors. So it's not that I don't like Max and Charles. It's just that chaos lineups make a lot more sense. So it's just going to push me to be slightly underweight on those guys. So in that vein, if those guys don't win the race, the most likely drivers to win the race are Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz. So how do you feel about those two? Um, I'm, I like Sergio Perez like a Sergio lot. Too. And I think if you're going to, I think if you're going to take someone who's not one of those two guys and, and lean heavily on them as a captain, like, he can rent he can win this race. I really yep, think he I can. Agree. He's due. His pace has been tremendous all week. And so I think I like him a little bit more than I like signs. I just don't think that signs has been quite as pacey, but he's been good. I think the Red Bull car has just performed a little bit better than the Ferrari this week. But again, like if you're building those contrarian kind of lineups, I, I would think that, you know, signs is much more likely to win than one of the McLaren drivers or anybody else on the grid. So again, a little bit of a piece on those two guys, but I would, I would favor uh, Perez over signs in, in the discussion between those two guys. Yeah. If you look at our um, captain projections on run the Sims, you're going to see that overall uh, ownership. If you look at the optimal rates, there we go. We have Sergio pretty far down on the overall ownership. We have him down um, around that 20% mark. But if you look at where that blue line is, he's about, what, five drivers up. If you look at those red and blue lines, the a big chunk of it is blue. So a, kind of like Lando last week, a huge percentage of my Sergio lineups are probably going to be where I'm using him as my captain because I, I, I hope he gets the win. Some That's probably not like a, a Red Bull um, constructor team because if he wins that probably means something happened to max, to max yeah exactly. but uh but i i really like using sergio here um he's just a great defensive driver i think if if something happens up front he's typically going to be pretty good at holding off signs in those positions so i agree with you i i think i probably end up with i would say somewhere in the 15 percent range where i'm using signs and, and sergio as my captains and and probably a little bit more um slanted towards sergio than signs after the big two teams uh do any drivers stand out to you as captains to target not really i think you made a good point about the mclaren drivers like if you're gonna play them as drivers you have to play them as captains yeah. because if you're willing to play them as drivers then like you need to just swing for the fences and hope that you get chaos otherwise Maybe George Russell, but he's too far down to win the mm -hmm. race. So, I mean, that's probably the the top the, the guys who are the top six right now on the grid are probably the only ones. And honestly, probably just the top five like yeah. Ricardo, probably not. So probably it for me. Yeah, I don't see anybody outside of Lando. I mean, there are some weird things that you can do where you can use like a Haas driver in your captain and, and just hope there's some kind of something weird up front where one and two crash there's nobody with a ton of laps led with um you know maybe sergio lando and and um and signs are all just battling for first place somehow if 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 leclerc and, and verstappen into an incident but we just haven't seen those those types of lineups work like you're you basically need to be fighting for first place with your captain spot and i just don't think anybody else has it besides lando so he'll, he'll probably be the only one so most likely a mix of Sergio Sainz and Lando are going to make up, I would say about 25 to at, at the very high end 30% of my lineups. So that's still leaving me with 70% of my lineups on, on Leclerc or Verstappen as my captain. But again, that's probably still going to be underweight on the field. So just keep that in mind. Uh, let's move on to some constructor talk. Um, kind of run through this kind of quickly. Are there 
any constructors you're you're targeting besides Red Bull and Ferrari, they combine for over 80% ownership in Australia. I think it'll be the same this week. Um, we've kind of already talked about what we're going to do here with McLaren. Any thoughts on, on that besides how much you're going to use them? No, I mean, I think M- McLaren is in the Mer- Mercedes spot from last week. Yep, I think exactly. if one driver from each team from Ferrari and Red Bull don't end up finishing, then obviously McLaren's in a really good spot. But like, what's the best case scenario for any other team? Like, if I'm not mistaken, I have to look at it again. Yeah, I mean, okay, without looking at it, who's the only other team that has both drivers in the top 10 to start? Yeah, uh, yeah, Haas, 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 yeah. yeah. Are you telling me that you you really think both Haas drivers are going to finish in the top 10? Like, unlikely so you probably do need to have some mclaren exposure as a constructor this week just as 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 your your chaos constructor but yeah i mean there's no reason to build a ton of line like there i I just don't really see an argument for any of the the teams outside of the top six drivers i just don't i just like yeah i don't you know and and you go back to that lineup in australia that won the fifty thousand on its own Still had the Claren captain, but had a Mercedes in constructor. Um, and as long as we don't have a, a situation exactly like we had last week, where if Max or Charles leads every single lap, their teammates don't do great, and no one else has like a double podium, there, there is a chance that your constructor, be it Red Bull or Ferrari, can still be the highest scoring constructor, even without their second driver doing good if their driver leads every lap in the race that's pretty much the only way but more likely if we don't see a one two from verstappen and Leclerc, we have a chance for mclaren to be that team that was mercedes um last week uh let's kind of just jump ahead to any funky things we're trying out i, I think the the two things that i'm three things i'm really going to focus on are, are things that we have talked about the first three races but i'm really going to ramp up this week um i'm going to try a couple cheaper captain constructors uh teams and that doesn't necessarily mean captain constructor stacks but whether it be a um a mclaren uh driver or mclaren constructor just trying some some of those cheaper guys there those mid salary builds we talked about the botases the alonzos just from a standpoint of having like a, a funkier lineup. And then of course, leaving salary on the table. We saw the winning lineup last week, leave 1500 on the table. What the kind of the cutoff where we stopped seeing a bunch of duped lineups is that leaving $1,000 on the table. So in this race where there might be rain, where uh, we don't even know if, if the grid is as, as promising as, or as reliable as it has been, I think it just makes a lot of sense to have a lot of lineups where you're leaving a thousand bucks on the table. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna try a ton of funky things, but I think you you make the the leaving salary on the table thing is is a lesson I'm trying to come around. I've come around on, and I actually did it in hard. the one you the one USFL the one USFL league I played. Uh, I left some salary on the table, and it ended up working out okay for me. Not great, but I made made a, 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 a profit on it, so yeah, that was nice. So I get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, I'm just the the funky the funky thing I'd be true. Yeah. yeah. When you when you have two thousand mm-hmm. left on the table and you're like I'm playing Botas over Russell, is this really what I'm doing? It's a tough thing just to stare down the barrel and and click. Uh, it's almost why it's a blessing to play 150 lineups because I can just use my little spreadsheets over here and, and submit them and I'm not, I'm not staring down the barrel of all of them. But yeah, it's 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 a tough thing to do. Um, let's move on to uh, your favorite portion of the show and probably a lot of people's favorite portion because they are uh, easy to digest and you could take them to the bank right away. What are your favorite bets to target this week? I've got a few. Um, haven't pulled the trigger on any of them yet, but uh, I'm looking at a few things. Uh, if you like, I, I think Max Verstappen's going to win the race. The best price I've seen on him is minus 125 at BetMGM. So you can get that. I think it's in another, I think it might be at Caesars as well. Another book there. Uh, Other things I'm looking at the, the George Russell top six that we talked about with him. He's plus one, 195 at FanDuel plus 200 at Caesars, which is not uh, a book in my state. So I can't play that, but 195 there, Uh, a Vettel points finish plus 270. That's kind of banking on there being some rain. Uh, And then we, we kind of talked about this in our group chat, Lando Norris to podium at plus 500. Again, he's not as fast as the cars in front of him, but that's kind of if you think there might be some kind of chaos in front of him uh, or or during the race, then it might be worth a swing. And then one I might the one I'm probably going to take a small taste on here, Sergio Perez fastest lap at plus 500. I think his car is just good enough 
uh, that it is an entire possibility that he can put together the fastest lap of the race. Like I said, if you look at the times today, he was on par with where Verstappen and Leclerc were. He was just, he had to, the first, how many ever laps he had to get through some traffic to get into third. So I, I think that at plus 500, I like those kinds of uh, swings, but we, we still haven't, hopefully there'll be some more stuff that opens up over the next couple hours and into the morning. But uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now, at least in bets that I'm looking at. Yeah, I think we definitely saw, I, I think during the sprint today, I think with like three laps to go, Sergio actually had fastest lap. Uh, this is a really good race for someone like Sergio to get fastest lap because whether it's it's um, if Charles or Max are in the lead, if there is a a safety car late in the race, this is the time where they, they could like use Sergio, bring him in, put him on new tires, and just use him to steal that fastest lap on the last lap. Um, even though he's he's um, not competing for for the lead, and then Lando, he mentioned after his qualifying, he said. If there, if we didn't have red flags in, in in Q3, he felt like he had pace to at least compete for the pole. So I, I do think that's interesting. Lando thought his car was really good in qualifying. Obviously dropped a little bit in the sprint, but sprint isn't the race. So uh, rain, Lando thinking he has pace. I, I like that plus 500 finish as well for Lando. Um, that pretty much does it for this wrap-up. Uh, as always, we got a... a, a um, no pun intended, a sprint from this show to uh, the race tomorrow, building lineups over the next couple hours. So make sure you catch us in Discord to talk about that. We'll be back Monday with the Imola GP recap. As we mentioned up top, uh, check out Run the Sims. Go to runthesims.com. Use promo code 4 for 4 for 10% off USFL and F1 projections, tools, and content for both betting and DFS. And also underdog best ball leagues get a free four for four pro subscription deposit at least ten dollars on underdog fantasy using the promo code four for four and you'll also get a bonus deposit match up to one hundred dollars you must be a new underdog uh user check out the link in the description to sign up there check out the four for four betting plan check out the bet spurts bundle available on dynasty league football get access to four for four dynasty league football fantasy life F app and bet spurts for just $99. That is usually a $209 price tag. As always, if you are on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Please like this video. And if you are listening, please give us a five-star rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. And make sure you are following us. 444 is at 444Football on Twitter. Check out BetSperts at Betsperts Golf. Dan is at really Dan Weiner. Run the Sims at Run the Sims. As always, I'm at TJ Hernandez. Talk to you guys all. Right.